everyone. Welcome to the Farm Commons podcast, where we explore timely and important legal issues and questions facing the farming community today. For community-based farms with a focus on sustainability, managing legal risks is especially important, as many innovative farm enterprises, like community-supported agriculture programs, on-farm suppers, and gardening classes, and unique arrangements for land access and employment do not fit neatly into our legal system, leading to vulnerability. But through legal education, we can cultivate greater resilience for your farm business so that you can continue to grow in ways that best support you, your relationships, and your community. At Farm Commons, we'll show you why and how. Thanks for tuning in. Hi everyone, welcome to the Farm Commons podcast. This is Eva here, the Farmer and Partner Development Manager at Farm Commons, and we are back today to discuss three steps to build legal resilience during COVID-19. And I'm joined today here with our Executive Director, Rachel Armstrong. Hey Rachel, how's it going? Good, good. I don't have COVID. So, you know, that's always a nice update for these times, right? (laughs) Oh my gosh, yes. Very grateful that you don't have COVID. I also believe I'm COVID negative. And yeah, I was just looking at the news and the rates are through the roof right now. Exactly, exactly. These are these are tense times. Yep, and with the holidays coming up, I know a lot of folks will be gathering for Thanksgiving tomorrow. It's um, Wednesday right now when we're recording, and I have some friends working in healthcare who are just bracing for the two weeks after Thanksgiving, and then again for once um, Hanukkah and Christmas and all the the wintertime holidays roll around because they're anticipating inc- increased caseloads. Um, and I know we're, we're very hopeful that the cases go down, um, but some of our farmers will deal with COVID on their farm this season if they haven't already. Um, Those farmers might get it, their employees might get it, their customers might have it. Um, So what tips do you have about how farmers can manage that, that risk of COVID from a legal perspective? Right. So a great subject, and I'm really uh, happy to explore that with you uh, and for our for our listeners today. Unfortunately, it is it is really timely. Um, you know, m- some of us might have had COVID already, um, uh, or but by this point, most of us will probably learn about somebody else that will get it um, in the future as well. So it seems to be touching seems to be touching all lives, and it's definitely a good time to catch up about some of the the legal risks um, that uh, that can come and what we can do to manage them. So I think the first one that I wanted to talk with you about today, Eva, was the risk uh, of the farmer getting sick. And then we're going to talk about two strategies where we can use to, to really manage that. So it might go without saying, but I won't leave it totally without saying, that, that the health risk is terrible. And, and I want to put that on the table right now. Uh, for any farmers who contract COVID, um, you know, our, our deepest sympathies. And we want to, to emphasize that that health risk can be really devastating. Um, and uh, I'm hopeful that we will, not, uh, we will not lose any of you and that everyone will, will recover and not suffer long-term effects. However, of course, those health risks are not exactly our 
our area of expertise, you and I, Eva, we can't really speak to how to stay safe um, and, and healthy um, and preserve uh, your, your physical self if you get COVID. But health risks come with, with legal risks. For farmers and others like them that work every day in their own business uh, to earn revenue, becoming sick creates legal risk when you can't pull in revenue anymore. When your income is dependent on your actual labor, on actually getting out there and, and doing things, then we start to worry about so much more than just how am I going to recover and be able to breathe again. Some farmers may not be able to go to the farmer's market um, or uh, winter bazaars or, or, or things where they are um, selling their wares. I know those are especially important right now to value-added producers that might be uh, moving maple syrup or, or other things like that. Some farmers have crops in the field right now and they really need to get those in, especially for our, our larger scale producers who might be doing you know, dry beans or small grains or things like that. It's now, uh, and, and all, of their, all of the year's revenue is going to be earned when that harvest comes in. If a farmer is sick at that wrong time period and that crop is left in the field and we don't have you know, equipment operators and others who can step in to get it, get it off a field, it's a huge risk to one's, to one's revenue. Some folks, you might be unable to do deliveries or um, you know, pack CSA boxes. So when, when farmers get sick, they're not only worried about uh, how to make their bodies whole again, but how to protect their revenue streams and ensure that uh, they can pay their bills. Of course, when you can't pay your bills, uh, that might mean falling behind on your mortgage. That might mean um, other, other issues that become legal problems not being able to pay rent, um, uh, deciding not to buy insurance in order to cut down on expenses. All of that then ends up leading to, to legal problems. At Farm Commons, we really wanna emphasize preventing problems from happening and, and putting on those, those legal glasses so that we can, look at, we can look at our situation now and identify ways to prevent that stuff from ever happening. We, uh, as well as farmers, don't want to have to try to try to you know renegotiate a mortgage where someone has fallen behind um, or or deal with a liability situation where we don't have insurance. So best way, of course, is to to protect those revenue streams, protect our profitability. But let's get back to that that fact the fact that it doesn't work that way all the time. We get sick, we lose revenue. What tools are out there to help us manage that? Most farmers are going to have health insurance. That's fabulous. Um, you know, whether you're buying it on your own and, you know, you're probably still dealing with a premium or maybe an off-farm partner um, is supplying that health insurance. That's great. And it's helpful because it covers the cost of treatments and care. It can help make our bodies well. But as we all know, health insurance doesn't do a lot for revenue and you got to keep shelling out, you know, money for deductibles and things that aren't covered. There is a different kind of insurance that is out there to help us retain our revenue if we get sick. That's disability insurance. So that's what I wanna introduce right now as a risk management strategy for the legal risks that come from lost income. Disability insurance. Comes in short-term and long-term disability insurance. Short-term is gonna be more relevant to most farmers who are 
thinking about what happens if they get COVID. What disability insurance does is it provides for lost earnings um, if you get sick and are unable to work. So this is its, this is its purpose, uh, is, to, is to help um, keep some of that money going in so that bills can keep being paid. The, the action step for farmers is, of course, to ask an insurance agent about it. Disability insurance is, is just another product um, that you can buy on the marketplace for insurance. And uh, as usual, the devil is always in the details. If a farmer is looking at a disability insurance policy, they have a lot of questions to ask. First thing to ask about is what's the waiting period? Disability insurance policies come with a waiting period. There's the time when you get sick and become unable to work. And then there's a the time period when the benefits kick in. And those are not necessarily the same day. On a short-term policy, it's often a week. It could be two weeks on a cheaper policy, uh, but you have those two weeks where, you know, you're gonna be on your own. You can't work, you can't make the revenue, um, bring in the revenue, and the policy isn't kicking in yet. A person has to, be, has to do some pretty, pretty good critical analysis to figure out if, is that waiting period worth it? If that's a two week waiting period and it happens in the two weeks when you have to bring in the lentils, um, that's, that's not necessarily gonna help. <laughs> or if you're only, you're only unable to work for two weeks, you know, then you, you still aren't getting the benefits. So a person's gotta look critically at that waiting period and assess uh, where the risks are to their revenue for their unique agricultural operation. Then look at the benefit rate. A lot of these policies will provide you between 60 and 70% of your um, regular earnings. Is that worth it? Will 60 to 70% um, be sufficient to help you avoid the legal risks of being unable to pay your bills? For many folks, that's great. Like, hey, 70% is better than none. But we have to do a cost benefit analysis. You know, you are paying for this policy and you wanna make sure that, that that really will provide the level of protection you're aiming to get from having purchased this. So we're running through these, these questions you gotta ask your insurance agent about. I've covered waiting period, I've covered benefit rates. I have two more. Ask the insurance agent, well, what does unable to work or disabled really mean for this policy? How bad does it have to be? Do I have to be on a ventilator? Do I have to be checked into the hospital? You know, who has to, you know, certify that I am unable to work? So get some details on that. Um, and, and how is that going to work for, for your health and your expectations for what you need to do on the farm? Last question. How is um, income calculated for a self-employed individual? This is really important to farmers because their income is not W-2 based. For, for everyone who just works a job, you know, I mean, we know exactly how much you make. It says so on your W-2. Many farmers don't issue themselves W-2s. Uh, they get paid through, you know, guarantee payments or, you know, whatever's left over at the end of the year. What's at the bottom of the schedule F and, and goes on to the 10, uh, the form 1040. Understand how that income is calculated. Many farmers are not earning income from farming. They are reinvesting it back into the business. Um, they make choices each year about, you know, what investments are they going to make in equipment and things like that. And they may show zero income. 
does that mean you get zero payout on a disability insurance policy? I mean, that's no good. We don't want to pay for that. So um, ask these questions and make sure you understand how the disability insurance policy is going to work. It's possible that it is the right solution uh, for, um, for many farmers. And not just during COVID, I, you know, there are any number of ways that, um, that producers can become sick. Um, sometimes disability insurance policies uh, will work for, uh, for pregnancy or for the risks of, uh, you know, bearing and birthing a child uh, and, and uh, being able to continue to earn, earn revenue um, despite all the things that can happen to our bodies. So it could be worth asking these questions, um, even in normal non-COVID times. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks, Rachel, for that breakdown of disability insurance. I actually had a girlfriend who at her work, they didn't have a maternity leave policy, but they offered disability insurance as, as her way to take maternity leave. Um, so I know that's, that's a very useful tool in that scenario. Um, and for you farmers who are truly considering like this disability insurance based on what Rachel shared, I encourage you to rewind this recording <laughs> and get a pen and paper and jot down those notes about what to ask your insurance agent about, about the waiting period, the benefit rate, um, what does unable to work mean, and, and how how are you calculating your, your self-employment income? Because you'll want to have that information and those questions ready once you do um, have time to speak to a real live person about your, your insurance policy, um, especially around the holidays, especially as you know more and more folks are getting sick and, and things are changing. I, I imagine insurance agents are very busy right now. So you want to maximize the time that you are able to have with them live on the phone or in person. Um, and be efficient with it. Um, in terms of calculation for self-employment, we, you know, our heart at Farm Commons goes out to you. We know so many of you struggled with that, that calculation for the P3 and EIDL loan applications, um, but we're hopeful that having gone through that process, you have a better idea now of how you are calculating your self-employment income and can be ready if you decide to pursue disability insurance for the, the months and days ahead as we navigate COVID-19 into the future, um, hopefully not too far into the future. Really hoping for, for all this to um, work itself out once the vaccine is developed. All right, so Rachel, based on, um, you know, individual health insurance and then the considerations about disability insurance to cover the lost wages that um, individual health insurance doesn't typically cover, I'm wondering about workers' compensation insurance. You know, we talk a lot about that in our work, especially where it's required um, by, you know, certain states that a farmer's in. Um, and we often say how it can be a good deal for the employees because it does provide some lost wage benefits, um, compensation for, for the mileage, for those trips to the doctor, um, and can can be really a good tool for the employer as it, it kind of protects them from being sued um, in order to pay for, for the injury of the employees. But um, is that an option for owners in this case um, of getting COVID? Like, can they, I don't know, pr proactively pursue workers' compensation in anticipation of getting COVID and hopefully that workers' compensation will kick in um, to cover them if that happens? Absolutely, absolutely. So workers' compensation is a, a second possibility uh, for farmers to help protect their revenue streams if they get sick from COVID. The key difference between workers' compensation 
as a risk management strategy and disability insurance is that is that workers comp really it, of course only kicks in if the if if the, the the problem is experienced in the course of a person's employment so if a farmer gets COVID because they went to a dinner party, you know, on a Tuesday evening at their friend's house, well, that's not in the line of work. And so no workers compensation to help um, cover uh, for those, for those revenue-based losses. But if a farmer contracts COVID because a supplier um, you know, a feed supplier shows up who who has COVID, and you know, and 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 we can determine that that was experience that 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 transmission occurred in the course of their job. Well, then this is this is a real possibility. Um, workers' compensation uh, programs recognize uh, getting COVID as a job-related risk. So this could work for a farmer um, in that case, if they are covering themselves for workers' compensation, covering themselves under the policy, and they, they get sick, they can call up the workers' comp company and say, look, I'm, you know, I'm making a claim here. Uh, I need to cover for not just the treatment um, of, of COVID under workers' comp, but I also um, am, you know, am here to draw on the compensation for mileage to my doctor visits. Um, I, I want those lost wage benefits and those other things that come with a workers' comp policy. Assuming you make it through, you know, the paperwork and, and, and bureaucracy of establishing um, that you got COVID in the line of your work, this can be a terrific benefit. Uh, you can get um, not only that those costs of treatment, but um, the lost wages uh, and compensation for doctor's visits and things like that. If God forbid, of course, you die or become permanently disabled from COVID, also there are other benefits that can that can come to help compensate you and your family for those lifetime um, losses from this as well. So it's uh, it is a real um, a real opportunity uh, for for farms to consider. Now, I, I, I don't want to imply that farmers should necessarily go out right now and buy workers' comp because of COVID. I am a little concerned that it can be, it may be difficult to establish the causality. I got this in the course of my work. You know, we're all doing a lot of things in our lives. You know, we've got to get groceries somehow. Um, so you probably have to go into a grocery store, um, you know, got to go get the toilet paper, those sorts of things. Uh, to what extent are workers comp folks, you know, the bureaucracy and all that, going to say, look, I'm not, I'm not buying it that you got this in the course of your work. So because of that risk, I'm not saying go out and get this as a primary risk management strategy. But many of our farmers will already be covering themselves with workers comp. We talk to farmers, uh, you know, semi-frequently at Farm Commons that, that are doing this because they want those other benefits and because they do see their jobs as risky. You know, how's a farmer likely to get injured? Well, farming, you know, it's not necessarily at, you know, dinner parties in the evening because we're not going to those. We're, we're going to bed early. So, you know, farming is what we do and how we, how we experience risk. So some farmers are already buying workers' comp especially I'm especially talking to those folks in your case keep this in mind keep this in mind as a strategy should you get COVID those benefits you're paying for them they're already there for you 
try to try to get them if you get sick and you do suffer these losses. So, so something to keep in mind, um, if you're not buying, if you farmers are not buying workers comp for yourself, it's also another time to take a, take a critical look at that. Run some numbers, look at the benefits that, that, that come from it and do your own cost benefit analysis. Is this something that you might consider even in non-COVID times to help protect your, your revenue streams um, and, uh, and provide something in the event of you know, a permanent disability uh, for, for yourself? Especially if you're already paying those premiums um, and you're covering them for your employees, it might not be too much more to just add yourself. So keep it in mind, it is something to, to look at. Um, and at Farm Commons, we are often trying to explain like what's the difference between workers' comp and health insurance and disability insurance. So I am also just appreciative of the opportunity to explain those distinctions. Yes, and we're grateful to you, Rachel, for parceling those out. Um, we know several farmers who are farming, they're the only one, they're running the operation solo and they actually invest in covering themselves with workers' compensation um, because you know, if they fall off the tractor, that's it. They're out from work. There's the field work's not getting done. And so that, that is a high risk. And so we do know some farmers who have taken the workers' compensation route as their um, primary personal injury risk management um, approach, which, which is great. Um, we also know some farmers who have periodic help on the farm in and out for maybe one or two weeks during the year, and they also cover um, those employees. So it really just depends on what your goals are um, and what your your tolerance for your risks is and um, assess from there. Do, do a similar um, cost benefit analysis, like Rachel said, run, run the numbers, see what the risks might be, and um, also consider what, what your existing coverage is. And uh, Rachel, I'm, I'm wondering just for clarification, if a farmer already has workers' compensation, um, do you think they should check in with their agent to ask about COVID coverage or assume that they will be covered in the case they get COVID during work because they already have workers' comp? for themselves? That's a great question. Um, I think it is safe to assume that COVID con contracted in the course of one's work will be covered, but what's not safe to assume is what's going to be necessary to prove, to establish that it was contracted in the course of work. That's going to be a lot more tricky um, and is my primary concern with really being able to leverage workers' compensation as a risk management strategy. You can you can ask about that, but you're probably going to get an answer like, yeah, we're working on it. <laughs> you know, because we didn't, this wasn't even an issue before um, March, really. And so there, there, there may not have been sufficient time to really have these things work through the system to come up, you know, to really understand what is being was, is being expected, demanded um, to establish that causality. It's so much easier to be like, oh, so-and-so fell off the tractor. Obviously, that's how they broke their leg. Um, this is just a, a very different kind of, of risk than what workers' comp is accustomed to dealing with in most situations. Right. Yeah, it is murky water for all of us right now. Um, but I think knowing that will better prepare us um, as we go in and ask questions and, and minimize the, the shock factor of there not being many answers right now. Um, but we'll do the best right. we can. Absolutely. It's, it's, a, it's a familiar feature of our work at Farm Commons. There's, there's what we know, and then there's what we can't know right now, but need to know that we don't know. 
Yes, we do. <laughs> it is mm -hmm. empowerment to know what we need to know and what we don't know. Exactly. <laughs> it's hard to say. <laughs> yeah. Totally. Well, on the note of um, farm owners getting sick, which, you know, we hope doesn't happen, but that's a very real risk right now. Um, I'm thinking about all of the other effects of getting getting sick. If, if the farm owner has employees that need to come to the farm and those employees are exposing themselves to the sick farm owner, um, what's, what's the risks of transmission there? And is it a legal risk? And what about customers, you know, if the same, the same farmer is doing deliveries and dropping off at the farmer's market or, you know, door-to-door -door delivery, that's a contact point at each delivery. Um, and even if, if the farmer's case of COVID isn't severe, they're asymptomatic and they're able to work in the field and do everything that needs doing, can they or should they continue to make sales or market their product? Um, so these are just some important questions that are, are running through my mind and I know yours and um, likely many farmers, but in the case those questions are not, I wanted to bring them up um, because many of our farm laborers are in, are in the same situation. Um, so, so as we're all forced into these difficult choices about whether to continue work, if you're feeling good, but you may have COVID or, you know, should you take the day off to go get tested, but what should you do in the two or two, two days or two weeks where you don't get the test results and you're just wondering, should I continue to deliver even if I suspect I've been exposed? Um, what, what perspective can you add to all of those questions and more from a legal, legal perspective? Absolutely, absolutely. So, so there's always two angles um, on these questions. You know, there's, there's of course the moral angle. So, you know, we find out that we're sick, Ugh, you know, thank goodness, maybe we feel fine, but so, so what's our moral obligation in terms of potentially exposing others? You know, can we duck into the grocery store really quick with our masks on, um, you know, and, and just grab that thing we really need? Or do we really, have, you know, is our moral obligation to completely hole up in our house and not see a soul, you know, for, for two weeks? There's not, there's not easy answers to this. And thank God, I don't have to answer those ones. That's for you all to figure out. I'm going to leave all the moral questions on your doorstep. Um, and, uh, you know, wish you some good luck um, <laughs> in figuring those ones out. What I can shed some light on is, of course, legal risks. Um, if you decide to duck into that grocery store um, to go get that pack of toilet paper, where's the legal risk? Should you be exposing those folks to COVID? Um, and, and, you know, same with earning, earning your, in, your, your income. Um, you know, I absolutely understand that um, self, we self-employed people need income. Um, and we are in some difficult choices in terms of how we're going to continue to earn our money, um, even if we get sick. So I'm not saying these moral questions are, are easy. I'm just saying they're not my questions. <laughs> so let's, let's move on to that legal stuff. Uh, from a legal perspective, we have some easier answers. And I'm really glad to be able to say that at this point. From a legal perspective, your liability for potentially transferring COVID to, you know, customers, um, someone in the grocery store is very low. Could it exist? Yes, it could potentially exist. It exists where you are not following, um, you know, government issued standards and rules. You know, if your governor has issued an executive order telling you, you know, you need to quarantine for two weeks after receiving a positive result, 
yes, you can be legally liable for not adhering to that standard. Number one, uh, the executive order may have penalties already in it um, that says that they can impose a fine, but also you may be found negligent uh, if you are not following those standards, even if they have no penalties written into them. So, you know, there is some risk. How likely is it that, you know, governments are actually enforcing executive orders? It's low, but it's possible. How likely is it that somebody is going to bring a negligence case against you and say, look, because you went to the farmer's market to sell your, your celery root for Thanksgiving and I got it from you, um, honestly, that risk is low. The person, the aggrieved person who purchased the celery root from you is gonna have to prove that they really got it from you. And that will be hard because they were at the farmer's market and they shopped at other vendors and did other things and maybe have a family who also went out and did some things. So, so there is the basis for legal liability. It will just be very difficult for the aggrieved individual to prove that liability because there will be other, very likely, other vectors through which they were exposed. So um, again, that sort of comes down to a moral obligation. Just because somebody can't prove that you gave it to them doesn't mean you didn't do something negligent or that you didn't violate the standards and the rules. You still did. We just can't, we just can't, you know, we can't put the period at the end of the story. We can't get all the keys in place to, to end up with you being legally liable. So I am hopeful that that will help folks sleep at night, uh, that, that we really need to rest on making a decision that feels right for ourselves um, and, and morally speaking, and that this is not the biggest legal issue of our day. So we can, we can set that one aside. When it comes to exposing employees, the situation does become a little bit more complex. An employee is just by their nature more dependent on your actions as a farm owner. Your customers can choose not to come to the farmer's markets. They can choose to use hand sanitizer and choose to stay six feet away from you and choose to sanitize you know, the celery root um, before they handle it. Your employees have a lot less uh, ability to choose and decide for themselves how to manage that risk. If you tell two people to work next to each other on the packing line and you don't make it possible for them to socially distance, or you don't give them time to wash their hands or provide them with hand sanitizer, they, they simply don't have the same power as the farm owner to manage their own risks. That means that the farm owner and any business owner bears more of that responsibility and is potentially more liable if they don't do those things. So we, we have a power imbalance that's gonna change things here. The same risk management principle applies. Follow the standards and follow the rules. Uh, very few states have issued specific agricultural standards um, for, uh, for farm work during COVID. If you're in one of those states and you gotta find that out, um, follow them. If you if you're in you know the 48 states that don't have those standards, then uh, follow the regular ones: the social distancing, the you know uh, sanitizer and washing facilities, the common sense stuff that we have all been hearing about for uh, since March. If you don't do those things, there is the chance 
that you will be seen as negligent, as having caused um, an employee to, to get sick, uh, and those avenues of liability uh, do crack open. So some things to think about, some risks to assess, uh, and, um, and combine those with your own own moral compass to make to, to decide what's right for you if you are diagnosed and still need to conduct some activities. Mm -hmm. Yep, that's good advice. Follow the standards and follow the rules. And I think it's a good reminder to turn back to our moral compass and our intuition and, and um, yeah, that connects us to everyone else around us, our, our moral compass. And I think it can be so easy to forget that when we're constantly relying on the news and um, alerts from our state health departments about what to do, um, because a lot of it relies upon us and our daily actions and, and how we run our businesses, how we manage ourselves at the grocery store, how we interact with our neighbors. So I saw a really cute um, sign the other day that said, wash your hands, wear a mask, and wave six feet away, and had a picture of someone waving. <laughs> it was really sweet. Um, so I hope you all are able to do that during this um, holiday season. And um, as you're thinking about all of this, I know it's, we shared a lot in this episode. Thanks so much, Rachel, for for breaking down um, you know, disability insurance, individual health insurance, workers' compensation, and, and the legal risks associated with um, running a farm business with customers and employees. Um, farmers, as you're thinking about all of this, don't forget about the other um, issues that we've covered in, in past podcasts and webinars that are available on our website. We've got lots of good content to help you manage legal risks during COVID-19 um, in a variety of formats. Some are print, some are audiovisual. Um, so whatever suits your um, your learning preference and also time, um, we've got something for you. Um, and two, two key things I wanted to highlight before we wrap up here is that um, as employers, there there is an obligation to provide paid sick leave to employees if they get sick or are caring for someone who is sick that will that will go through the end of this year um, or not through to the end of this year to the end of 2020, and that's um, re the requirements in the Family First Corona virus response act and um, it's called the families first act for short and we have a webinar recording um, about the families first act a, a podcast and some tip sheets on our website on the COVID-19 resource page so definitely check that out um, and also uh, a couple weeks ago we recorded an episode about um, CFAP2 funding that's available right now um, to more farmers, more um, diversified farmers for more crops. Um, and it's an opportunity to get compensation for COVID related losses um, for those products, which will um, hopefully help you maintain some of your revenue streams. And the deadline for that application is December 11th. So um, if you are planning on pursuing CFAP2, um, to, you know, take a listen to the to the podcast, review the webinar recording on our website, and and get your your paperwork ducks in a row to get ready to pursue that funding. So thanks so much, Rachel, for for all that you shared with us today. Good conversation. Stay safe and stay healthy, folks. And of course, have a most lovely holiday season. Yes, that's that's our wish for you. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Farm Commons podcast. For more information on what you just heard, as well as a variety of farm law guides, models, checklists, flowcharts, and more, visit our website at farmcommons.org. You can also email us at info at farmcommons.org if you have any questions or comments about this podcast or any of our online materials. Thanks everyone for listening, and keep on growing.